Welcome to Central Assembly's podcast. Here's a message from our lead pastor, Kurt Jenkins. We pray this message speaks to you. We're going to do our third week of the Unbox Christmas series. What we're doing is taking one aspect of life that a lot of times uh, you focus on a lot uh, during Christmas holidays or Christmas season, the holiday going into New Year's, a lot of times it's a struggle for individuals. And I said, listen, we're not trying to, to pull out a problem in your life. We're not trying to pull out a struggle. If you are walking in victory in these areas, take what the Lord is showing you through these messages and help somebody else with it. Does that make sense? To help somebody else live in that victory also. Two weeks ago, we talked about relationships. We have heard back uh, from several of you from the church family that are taking active steps for restoration in your relationships, whether you've made phone calls, you've visited people, you've reached out, or you've begun began to pray about it even more seriously than you have before. Uh, last week was all about contentment, right? Get out of the rat race, get out of trying to compare what it, where everybody else is to where you are and be content with what the Lord has given you. And today we're gonna talk about peace. We're gonna unbox peace. I do think that every person from time to time struggles with finding true biblical peace, right? There's just so many moving pieces in life between work and home, uh, between your relationships, your view of yourself. There's all these targets that the enemy can use to get you to lose your peace. In fact, if I opened up the dictionary and picked one specific word uh, in this time, I could probably cause like 90% of you to lose your peace. I'll try it. Impeachment. (laughs) And the blood pressures rise. And No, we're not taking a public vote right now. Isn't that crazy how something externally can totally affect your peace? One word, one word leads you all the way down this trail. Now you're mad at people that are sitting in the same church as you and you can't believe they voted this way and that way. Could you imagine if Jesus lived his life that way? When he heard the religious officials actually talking about killing him, he could either got scared or really mad. And he had the right to have a righteous anger about him. And he kept his peace. And we want you to be able to keep your peace. We actually believe it's the Lord's will in any season of life for you to walk in peace. Now, I would say a high percentage of times that we lose our peace is because it's not, it's not really that the situation is so bad, but it's because we can't control it. I think sometimes like, we have to understand God has placed you on this earth with one person to control, and it's yourself. I know we get that wrong as parents sometimes. We even try to control our children. That's not how it's designed. We're supposed to lead them, all right? Or you wanna control your spouse. You want all these people and all these situations to change. If they would just be nicer to me, if this would just happen, if I would just have more money, if I would do this and this and this, then I would be at peace. That's not the way this life works. God has given you the ability through the power and the leading of the Holy Spirit to control yourself, And what happens is when somebody else acts in a way or does something that we can't control, we get mad at them. And then we get frustrated because they're not doing what we want them to do, right? And then out of that, what can happen is we start to complain about all these other people around us. Now the world is a horrible place and I'm fine. Though you're the one that's a wreck inside. But I believe the Bible is very clear. He's given us the Holy Spirit within us. We have the ability to walk in peace. We have to admit to yourselves and to God, you cannot control other people. Amen? Amen. So when we think about this, it's like we we hear the word Prince of Peace, silent night, holy night. And it's like at this time where we should be so calm 
And yet we have so much stuff to do before our guests come over. So many presents to buy before the clock strikes 12. And there's like nothing but turmoil in our soul sometimes. And I, want, I really want to work through that because I don't wanna just fake it through the holidays, right? I, don't, I really don't wanna put a fake smile on or we'll just have to toughen up and make it through our, you know, our, our parents' visit, our in-law visit, or when the cousins come in. But we can actually be honest with ourselves. So if I, if I could be really honest with you, this last like, couple months, especially this last month, a lot of people in our church family have taken a hit through the loss of a loved one. I talked to Leslie about a statistic at the end of the week this week, and I didn't think it was gonna be this high. With just in the last month of time, 14 individuals in our church family have had someone pass away. We've lost, like, we've lost some people that were like members for, like Betty Gobeck, for over 80 years. And then we've had individuals lose, aunts and uncles, grandmothers, uh, uh, close relatives, and so on, grandchildren. All 14 individuals affected by loss within the last month. Now you might say, okay, well, I lost my loved one like a decade ago and it still bothers me. Yeah, let's be real about that too. We use words in church like victory, strength, overcomers, and those things are all true. But I think that sometimes we forget the whole process that it takes to get to that point sometimes. So we can scream and shout, and I, I could, I could, I could bring out a whole bunch of declarations and maybe you'd clap to it and you'd feel good about it. But if you don't actually unbox peace in your life with the Lord, you'll just fake your way through it. So I think we have to admit to ourselves that you're in pro, like we're in process in certain areas. I, I really, it, it could be 25 years ago you lost a loved one. It could be 30 years ago that a tragedy struck. And if you are still struggling through that, if it still affects the peace that's inside of you, it will still be there next year at this time if you don't deal with it with the Lord. We get so nervous about it. Like, we don't have time to do this. No, you have time. You have to prioritize your time, sit down with the circumstances of your life, open them up right before the Lord and say, okay, God, I'm not leaving this space until we figure this out. So I'm actually gonna be honest with you. Like, have you done that in the last couple of weeks? Have any of you gone to the Lord and said, I'm really nervous about seeing family members or friends over the Christmas holiday. I'm really nervous about this party I was invited to on New Year's Eve. Have you done it? That's the only way that you're gonna unbox things, right? If you get before the Lord and say, it's time to get messy, I'm gonna work through this because I feel like, and I believe biblically, it is the will of the Lord for me to be in peace. So my father, he passed away seven years ago. And I still, I, mean, I think about him, I think about my grandparents a lot in the Christmas holiday. Reason Christmas really for my dad was for Christmas for him, it actually started in July. He would send his Christmas cards with $2 bills and like scratch off tickets and stuff in July. And he would send all of his Christmas cards there. And when he was a kid, they didn't have a lot of money. And his dad, they, they put up their Christmas tree. Um, I was, it was like the day before Christmas Eve or a few days before. They would only have it up for a week. And this was now years and years ago when he was a child. He used to have to pay a quarter to turn the lights on. So he or one of his siblings would, would pay us at a quarter uh, to turn the lights on. So that was like really extreme. So when we were kids, it was like vroom, the other extreme. So at times we had these things called bubble lights. They were some of my favorites because they were different. Not a lot of people had them. These bubble lights were actually in our window, October 31st. My mother confirmed on at least a few occasions. 
I know we complain about, about like Walmart decorating for Christmas too early. I didn't mind it as a kid. These lights were up. And right after that, all the rest of the window lights got put up and the things outside the door. And our Christmas tree, we, we tried to look for, for one that could show it brightly. Just the, the resolution wasn't the best on it. But I mean, this thing, like we would have like eight sets of lights. I'm not exaggerating. He'd be like, we should put another one on. You put another one on. You should put another one on. So eventually we just have to start putting ornaments on or we would just keep wrapping these things. So he liked the, just the loud, bright, and then the tinsel that you'd like throw on at the end. I mean, the thing was just covered with it. So for me, there's a huge experience that comes with, with Christmas and my dad's name is written all over it, all right? So I'm at peace and I don't grieve like the rest of men, you know, that have no hope. I get all of those scriptures, but yet I still get sad thinking about him during this time, all right? So now we know that some of you have lost people in a tragic manner. And there are like very serious situations that happen that you might still really be struggling with, especially during this time of the year. In Judges 6.24 is the first phrase, one of the first phrases where it talks about the Lord being associated with peace. And it says, the Lord is peace at the end of this verse. I talked about this uh, earlier this year when we were talking about the names of God. That word peace there is the word shalom. It's the Hebrew word for peace, shalom. Now, our English word for peace is like this. Everything around me is fine, so now I can be at peace. There's no conflict outside, so I can be at peace with inside. And that's a completely wrong way to approach this, right? Because what happens is, is this. Someone feels like being a jerk to you, and they mess up your inner peace. Something else goes wrong in the government, right, or in your workplace, and now you don't have any peace, and you can't figure out why. That word shalom, it has the idea of peace, but listen to some of these other words and definitions in the Hebrew. That one word shalom, completeness, prosperity, success, welfare, wellness, health, fulfillment, friendliness, satisfaction, safety, blessing, deliverance, and even salvation. This word shalom is almost exclusively focused on your internal reality. So it, has, it carries the connotation of is that you're in harmony with God and because you're in harmony with God, you're in harmony with yourself and because you're in harmony with yourself, you can be in harmony with others even when they're not in harmony with you. So now you can enter in and say, I know that person doesn't like me, but I'm at peace with them in my heart, right? Did you know in scripture, it says that the kingdom of God is within you, that you're not supposed to say it's here or there, the actual kingdom is within you. So we're actually supposed to take the pieces apart of the kingdom of God. So when we come to a reality by faith that we're living in peace in the kingdom, we're actually supposed to be peace carriers. So when we go into a situation, we're not saying, oh my goodness, I wonder what is going to happen to me when I walk into my great aunt's house on New Year's Eve. But I know no matter what's going on, I'm going to release peace when I walk in the room. It's a completely different perspective, right? If you're not in the kingdom, then stuff happens to you. When you're in the kingdom, you happen to your environment. So what we want to do is get to a place where we're not just surviving. We're not just wondering. We're not just, just hoping to get through the days. But we actually say, I am determined with the help of the Holy Spirit to not just be at peace, but when I come, bring the peace of God to other people. And then the person who's lost, that you couldn't argue them in the kingdom if your life depended on it, maybe they'll just see that you're going through a really difficult time and you're at peace and they'll ask what is different with you. Maybe your peace will be just enough witness to be able to pray with them in a situation where they're not walking in peace. There was a prophecy about Jesus in Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, 
New, New International Version says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, it's really cool. On uh, this Tuesday night at six o'clock at a Christmas Eve service, we're actually gonna have different readings that are gonna go through each one of these titles and break them down even more. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that service. But if you look at this Prince of Peace, what happens is Jesus was in charge of establishing and administrating the shalom peace of God over this entire earth. So it's kind of cool. He's like the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So he's in charge, but he's also the Prince of Peace. He's the one responsible for taking, not just taking the orders, because he's creating them with the Father and then walking them out with the people, actually handing out the peace. So if we're trying to say, what does it look like to be at peace? Follow Jesus's life. Follow Paul's life. See all of the stuff that happened to them, the losses that they suffered, the, the accusation, the persecution, and they still continue to remain steadfast on what the Lord's calling them to do. So Jesus enables us by being the Prince of Peace to walk out that shalom, the completeness, prosperity, success, welfare, wellness, health, fulfillment, friendliness, satisfaction, safety, blessing, deliverance, and salvation all wrapped up into the word peace. So what happens the moment Jesus is born? In Luke chapter two, verse eight, it says this. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. The angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. That would have been an amazing sight. And they were terrified because it was an amazing sight. It says, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. You know, even the, pe the people that rejected him, they still had the opportunity to receive him. So when you hear words like this, great joy for all people, well, I don't feel like I'm at joy. Maybe you haven't unpacked something with the Lord. There's obviously a roadblock between you and the Lord if you're not seeing that joy and that peace. So instead of wondering about it one more year, take the time, like tonight. Why not enter this week with more joy, more peace, more satisfaction, more contentment, than ever before. It says, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven. So God, his abode is in the highest of heaven. They're saying glory to this one, glory to this God who's in the highest in heaven. But here on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. So the New Testament word here, peace, means blessing and tranquility, to be without trouble and to have no worries. Now that still doesn't deal with the external situations. It's still talking about your internal reality. It's saying here, on earth, so glory to God up there, down here, peace upon those whom his favor rests. Who does his favor rest upon? A lot of your translation might say, with those whom he is pleased. What pleases God? Say faith. Good answer. Any single person who in that moment is believing that that one is the Messiah, this is the child that is given of God for the salvation, for the forgiveness of our sins, God is pleased with that person. Scripture says it's impossible to please God without faith. So anyone 
who is believing in the Father through the Son is pleasing to God. And as soon as you are pleasing to him because you believe in him, guess what can come upon you? His peace. You might say, well, is God, you know, God created us with a purpose. He loves every person. Absolutely. But in the, until the moment you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Prince of Peace can't come upon you. Right? So it's not that he doesn't love you. It's not that he forgot about you. It's not, it's not that he's dissatisfied with you. It's just if you haven't received Jesus yet, then the Prince of Peace isn't able to come. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. So if we want more peace, get to know him better. Right? We're not looking for this external peace. We're looking for more of Jesus. When we have more of Jesus, we have more peace in our life. Amen? Amen. In Philippians 4, 7, it says, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I don't like this verse, and I'll tell you why. It's the word of God. I wanna understand everything. I want all the details in order. I wanna be able to explain every single moment so it makes sense to me. And this verse goes flat against that. It's saying this, there is a peace that only God can bring that far surpasses anything you will be able to understand. It's a spiritual interaction between you and the Lord. So he's not going to always give you the details of why your loved one passed away the way they did. You're not always gonna have the details of why the drunk driver hit your nephew the way he did. You're not always gonna understand why, uh, you know, why your baby didn't survive. And it's okay to be tense. I know we're, we, we wanna come in church and feel nice and warm and, and, and cuddly for, right before Christmas. We have to work through this process. And then I believe this could be the best Christmas you've ever had. The Lord's goal is, for not, for, the Lord's goal is not for you to be able to figure it all out. It's for us to say, I trust Jesus. He's my Lord. He's my King. He's my God. And I receive his peace. And though I might not ever have all the answers, I'm gonna receive his peace for this moment. This is really where one of these things, it cannot remain a theology. It cannot remain a verse. You can't take these verses home and just repeat them over and over again. You're gonna magically feel peace. You have to ask the Lord, how do I apply these to my life? How do I get them into my lifestyle so I can actually live them out? So this word, the shalom peace of God is not meant to be on the books of the paper. So you study them out so you learn more. It's actually meant to be experienced. So I felt a couple of weeks ago leading up to this because of how much loss our church has, has suffered. And even talking to people that have lost loved ones uh, several years ago, they just still they just struggle. That's okay. So struggle during the, during the holidays. Uh, I, really, I felt led to ask an individual to speak to us today about how they were able to walk out the peace of God. See, Sharice and I, we walked very closely uh, with Trisha Bradley and Brad Bradley as Brad faced an intense battle with cancer several years ago. Uh, he got to experience the home going to see Jesus on April 10th, 2016. But there was nothing short of miraculous what happened in his life and her life before he went home to be with the Lord in that process and then after. So I felt, I felt led to ask Trisha to speak on how the Lord gave her peace. Like this is the words of God's word coming off the pages and just being injected into her life. And she's a living testimony of the peace of God. So I want you to welcome Trisha up as she shares her heart with us today.
Well, good morning. I want you to all do something with me. I want you to pretend that you're sitting at my kitchen table with a cup of tea, and we're not up here, and I'm not under these lights because this is not my comfort zone. So just pretend we have a cup of tea, and we're going to have a chat, and that'll be a lot easier for me. And I'm definitely going to use my notes because I want you to hear what I believe God spoke to me. When Pastor Kurt asked me to share uh, my family's story and some of the and my experience going through it, he didn't do that because I'm anyone special. I'm not. There's nothing in me that could do this. But I do believe that it's a testimony of the goodness and faithfulness of God because I, of all people, know that I couldn't do this. So I pray today that my words will encourage you and and just lift you up, Lord, concerning whatever trials you may be going through. Because let's face it, we all have things that come against us that we're not expecting, we're not anticipating, but God is there to be with you through it. You know, each of you sitting in these pews has a story, and your story is unique because of your experiences and your circumstances. And many of you know a lot of my story because uh, my family and I have been a part of this church since 1987. We raised our boys here, and we've been here a long time. However, we are blessed to have a lot of new people here in our church family, and so for your benefit, I'm just going to sh- give you a little bit of the details from my background. I'm a mountain girl. I'm from West Virginia. And yes, I have heard all of the hillbilly jokes. Don't. I've heard them all. And I'm not offended. You can take the girl out of the country, but you can't take the country out of the girl. I attended college at WVU, and there I met my college sweetheart. We fell in love and actually married while still in college. And for us, the honeymoon never ended. We were best friends all throughout our 45 years, 10 months, and four days of marriage. We raised three sons, built a business together, served in our local church, and continued to grow together in our faith. Our home was always filled with love and laughter. And even in those early years, when we were dirt-poor college kids living on $4 a week for food, we were happy, simply because we were together. Now, for those of you who didn't know Brad, I know many of you did, and I know you loved him, and you knew what kind of a man he was. But for those of you who didn't meet him, he was smart, he was loving, he was hardworking, he was kind, he was wise, He loved a challenge, and I think that's why, basically, he went in the medical field, because he liked to find a problem. When there was a problem, he liked to uncover, you know, and come up with a diagnosis and then be able to help people. So he really enjoyed that. He was romantic. He was fun. He was a soul winner. He was a great Bible teacher, and he was funny. He was really funny. He was my once upon a time, happily ever after. Now, you may be thinking, well, he sounds perfect, and we all know that there's no one that's perfect, but he was. (laughs) He was perfect for me. 
We absolutely loved being together, and it didn't matter if we were vacationing on a tropical island or going to the grocery store. If we were together, it was a date. Then two days before Christmas, on December 23rd, 2011, actually eight years ago tomorrow, life drastically changed for us, and that is when Brad received his initial diagnosis, and that's when our cancer journey began. The next four and a half years were filled with so many ups and downs and suffering that I could not begin to explain in detail, nor would I want to. There were so many procedures, surgeries, chemotherapy, radiation, other medical therapies, and even trial medicines. But most importantly, we were surrounded with a lot of prayer warriors that lifted us up and stood in the gap for us when we needed it. And I admit it was an initial kick in the gut. I mean, when you get that news, just that sick feeling that comes over you, and you just you know, the, the questions begin to swirl through your mind and you just feel like, it's like when you're dizzy and you, you know, you can't get your bearing. You need something firm to hold on to. And from the very beginning, we leaned on the Lord and we focused on scripture to be our source of strength, gleaning hope and encouragement and direction from the many verses and promises that God gave us. Isaiah 26.3 was a banner verse for us. Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. Only when we focused on Christ did that peace that passes understanding guard our hearts and minds. Anytime we would begin to focus on the problem and look at the symptoms and all that was going on around us, that peace would slip away. We learned to stay focused on him. Brad suffered unimaginable pain, yet he never complained and he never said, why me? He suffered greatly in his body, but never in his spirit. Through it all, we experienced God's grace, giving us strength to endure and giving us peace in the midst of the storm. It's under here. I didn't see where it was. Excuse me. You can tell I'm not used to this. (laughs) Now, when I say that we had peace, it doesn't mean that we breezed through. Especially for me, there were plenty of tears. It's so difficult to watch someone that, someone that you love suffer so much. And yet, with all that kept happening around us, there was a quiet peace, never panic. And I'm so thankful for all of you that prayed for us, and I know that was such a great help. We totally believed that he was going to be healed. We did not doubt. We did not lose hope. We did not have a plan B. We were walking out our faith with a confident reliance on God's word, despite our circumstances. Don't ever give in to the temptation to interpret God through your circumstances. Interpret him and his love for you through his word, because that is what is truth. Trials are not meant to devastate our faith. They're meant to deepen it. We maintained laughter in our home, even with all that was going on. There were, I would, I would say, almost every day, we still were able to have a good belly laugh because that's just the way we were and we re- related with each other. 
However, throughout his illness, I did many things to strengthen myself and build up my faith. I searched the scriptures, and I have pages and pages of notes and references that God used to strengthen me during my quiet time. I listened to worship music a lot, and songs have always ministered to me. And those times when you're going through a trial, sometimes you're just weary. You know, you may have been fighting this battle for a while, and you just, sometimes the words don't come. That's when I crank up the music. You know, I can be alone in my room and have the worship music. And those words will minister to you when you're just too exhausted, you know, to do it yourself. Also, frequently I would walk through my house declaring the word of God and and saying things that I knew could build my spirit. One of the things I did a lot was I would walk through with my arms raised saying, I'm going to thank you, I'm going to praise you, I'm going to trust you, Lord, despite what was going on. And I would say it over and over, I'm going to thank you, I'm going to praise you, I'm going to trust you, Lord. And I said it out loud as much to feed my spirit. You know, I needed... I needed not only to think it, but I needed to hear it. I needed to be surrounded with what was going to build me up, and I knew that I just needed to hear it. Colossians 3.2 says, Set your minds on things above and not on things on earth. It's often our thoughts and not our circumstances that can cause us to sink or fail. As Pastor Kurt said, then on April 10th, 2016, Brad passed away. He had fought the hard fight. What had begun as our cancer journey together became my grief journey alone, but with my family and my children. I admit that there were times during his sickness when I would think, Lord, if anything happens to him, I don't know how I'll go on. I really didn't. We were so very close, and we truly were united as one. I could not imagine my life without him. Now, don't be dismayed or discouraged, because this is not a story of defeat. Brad won, and he is totally healed. He's pain-free. And he's able to stand up once again, upright, and he's before the throat of God. And one day, I'm going to join him. God is still the healer, and he is able. It's just that our story ended differently than we expected. God is still God, and he is still good. I'm amazed at the goodness of God. He has been with me every step along the way. I've not been in a fetal position. I've not been depressed. I have not become bitter or doubted God. Do I understand? No. But I I really don't need to. All I need to do is to trust in a loving God that is working all things out for my good. Have there been tears? Yes, many. And they still appear easily and unexpectedly. There were times during Brad's illness when I would think, Lord, this can't get any harder. And then it would. I mean, it was just constant up and down. There were many months where I did not get more than two hours of sleep a night. 
and that was because I was caring for him. And that went on month after month. But through that, God gave me strength. He kept me well. I never got sick the whole time he was sick. Like, he kept me strong so that I could care for him, and it was an honor taking care of him. I could not look ahead and ask for help for what was in the future because I couldn't let my mind go go there and wonder what's going to happen. Instead, I leaned on God and I asked for help day by day for what was on our plate for that day. God's grace that is in the moment is your manna. Stay in this moment and eat the manna that is for today. Just as in the Bible, when God provided manna for his people, it was one day at a time. Don't allow the sorrow of yesterday or the worry of tomorrow to rob you of the joy of today and the peace that Christ provides us. We each have a story, and it's God who is writing that story. He knows the end from the beginning. Now, we may add some of the narrative depending on the choices that we make. Oftentimes, there are chapters added to our story that we do not like and never would have chosen. There's nothing trite about your diagnosis, your empty checkbook, a failing marriage, a wayward child, or the death of a loved one. These are all hard and difficult challenges, and they're not easy. However, neither are they random. God has not abandoned you. God is not sometimes sovereign. He's not occasionally victorious. He does not occupy the throne one day and vacate it the next. This season in which you find yourself may puzzle you, but it does not bewilder God. He can and will use it for his glory and purpose. God is at the center of our story. Through surrender of self, we can allow God to take the fear of the unknown and replace it with quiet confidence. Many times, we Christians like to think of God as a genie in a bottle. You know, we want to say this, do this, pray this much, Rub three times and we have our answer, we have our wish, we have our answered prayer. And if we're honest, many of us, if our prayers are not answered in a timely manner or in the way we wanted, we either get mad or lose hope, or even worse, we lose faith and give up. Be confident that God will act and he will be faithful, even if the work ends up looking differently than you expected. Don't doubt in the dark what you know to be true in the light. Whatever you're going through, search the scriptures and find a promise to hold on to no matter what. Learn, lean on what God speaks to you through his word. Hebrews 10.23 says, Hold fast to that which strengthens you. Hold fast the profession of your faith without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. He's a very present help in time of trouble. He binds up the brokenhearted, and he will never leave you. Isaiah 30, 15 says, In quietness and trust shall be your strength. 
The joy of the Lord is my strength. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Greater is he that is in you, and we are more than conquerors. His power is made perfect in weakness. 2 Thessalonians 3.16 says, May the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. So there's nothing outside of the realm. There's nothing that's too hard for God, and there's no situation that he can't meet you where your need is. Romans 15.3 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Supernatural peace always surpasses natural understanding. Understanding will fail you. We may never know the reasons that things happen the way they do until we see God face to face. And by then, it really won't matter. But trusting God will never fail you. Scripture tells us that we must guard our hearts and our minds. I have to guard my thoughts. I do not spend time dwelling on all the questions that would come so easily. That would only lead me down a dark path of doubt and discouragement and depression. I choose not to focus on all that I've lost, but rather to be thankful for all that I had and that I still have. I lived a beautiful love story. I'm thankful for so many wonderful memories. I'm thankful for the legacy of Brad and the example that he left for me and my family. Questioning and doubting God would only, would only be a means to, to, by which the enemy would try to negate the wonderful blessings of God. I choose to be thankful and focus on the many good things in my life, especially my children and those 12 little people that call me Grammy and bring me so much joy. I believe that gratitude plows up the ground for God's peace to grow in our lives. This is the kind of peace in the midst of pain and trials and sorrow that is foreign to the world. It can only come from God. But we can prepare ourselves to receive it when we lean on the Lord, when we look to Him, when we pray, when we cultivate gratitude, and when we surrender our hearts. to trust in our Heavenly Father no matter what. Whatever you lack, He is. Whether it's you feel you're not strong enough, He is. You feel you're not brave enough, He is. You feel feel you're not strong enough to get through it or you're anxious, He's peace. So whatever you lack, He is. As a Christian, I do not merely want to absorb the light of Christ, but I want to reflect it. What kind of an example and witness would I be to my children and grandchildren if I simply fell apart and withdrew, simply because our prayers weren't answered the way I wanted them to be? Where's the victory in that? Victory must be seen in me. Peace must be seen in me but not because of me, but because of Christ in me. That does not mean there are no tears or times of sadness or loneliness, but my tears are not tears of anger or defeat. 
My tears are the result of a beautiful, loving relationship. They're the celebration of a good gift from God when I think about my husband. We all serve as a living testimony to people in the world that God is. What weakness in you might God want to use to display his strength in your life? When all you focus on is your hurt or your disappointment or your sorrow, you can easily lose sight of God. God's grace is not an anesthetic. It does not take the pain away, but it helps you get through it. Scripture tells us that in this world we will have tribulation, and he allows the sun and the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. He's telling us that so we can be prepared. We need to surrender our entire lives to God, every aspect over to his control, regardless of the outcome. It's simple surrender. Surrender. Don't struggle. Just surrender. And God's grace will give you peace because he is the anchor in our storm. And he gives you strength to carry you through. At some point, we all stand at this intersection. Is God good when the outcome is not? Our choice comes down to this. Trust God and let your heart be softened to the Spirit of God or be hardened by bitterness and resentment toward God. And the latter is a rejection of his peace and his grace that he offers. I know that God is sovereign in all things. His way of breaking me and molding me may not be in a way that I would have chosen, but he knows best how to form more of his character in me. I read something in one of my devotions recently that I thought was a really good illustration. Suppose I'm holding a cup of coffee and someone bumps into me. What happens? What spills out? Coffee. Yeah. Why? Most people say, well, somebody bumped me. The truth is that coffee spills out because that's what I poured in. What spills out when you get bumped? Whatever you pour in. If you fill your cup with Jesus and his words and his promises, when the storms come, a heart full of Jesus will steady your sail and give you peace. He is our peace our joy, our strength, our comfort. He is our anchor in the storm. And the anchor is not tested in a calm and quiet sea. It's in the crashing waves as we are tossed about that we discover if the anchor holds. Our faith in Christ is the anchor for the storm. And may I encourage you to know that he walks with you through your valley. You are never alone. Through these last few years, I've come to know God in a deeper way than ever before and to trust him more when I do not understand. Draw near to God and allow him to meet you in your pain. Just as when a child falls and scrapes their knee, they cry out for mommy or daddy, and a loving parent swoops them up to tenderly hold them. That embrace does not take the scrape away. 
but it does calm and comfort and reassure the child. So it is with our Heavenly Father. God wants to hold you and comfort you. He is our peace.
so the scripture, the promise is, is that the peace of God, the peace that only God can bring, is going to surpass our understanding, everything that we can understand, but it, that it's going to guard our heart and our mind in Christ Jesus. I want every single person in this room to know that their heart and their mind is guarded in Christ Jesus, and that comes only by having peace. So I'm going to close us in prayer. Uh, and even as we're praying, if you're an altar worker, if you're in the middle, maybe you can just kind of sneak out and come forward. And I want to just offer anybody, even as we close the service, anybody that wants to receive prayer for any area in your life uh, that is just out of peace right now, you know, you know that you're struggling with that, and I want you to be able to come forward and receive prayer. Some of you might not feel led to. Maybe you want to just contemplate some of the things that were said today. Uh, my encouragement to you is before before you go to bed tonight, that you will spend time alone with the Lord uh, to know that you can walk this thing out. One thing that I uh, have seen just in these past past several months when somebody loses somebody that's close to them, uh, sometimes there's just like a void of a person to hug. You know, sometimes a lady just needs a good hug from another lady or a guy from another guy. Uh, and just to, to receive like, you know, the, 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 to receive a fulfillment of the emptiness that somebody's left behind. So I'm not trying to be weird in any of that, but our altar team will be down here. If you want to receive prayer and if you're praying with someone of that same gender, you're like, I just need, I need a hug and receive the love of Jesus through that as well. Father, we just pray uh, that your peace that surpasses all understanding would be experienced by every single person in this room. Father, I thank you that there's peace on earth upon those in whom God is pleased with. God, we know as we look to you in faith, that pleases you because now you can work in our lives. So we pray for that Prince of Peace, that Shalom Peace of God to just come, come in greater ways, Lord Jesus. I pray, Father, that you would allow us to be able to understand that we can run on those train tracks of sorrow and joy at the same time. That God, we can be honest with you that we're sorrowful about a loss or about a situation, but that we also have the joy of the Lord because you're strengthening us. And Father, within those two rails of joy and sorrow, I believe that you are going to bring us to a place of peace that we can unbox these things with you in private and show up at these family events or these friend events and actually be able to put a real genuine smile on our face because we are in harmony with you and with ourselves and with other people. We trust that you want to do this in our lives. Help us to receive this. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, check us out at centralconnect.org.